0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik. We spend at least a third of our day at the workplace and this means that the way we sit, stand and move at work is a major contributor to our overall musculoskeletal health. So what do we do when aches and pains arise due to workplace issues and what is the role of physiotherapy in managing these as well as perhaps preventing further problems? Joining me on the show today, Chu Li Yang, a physiotherapist and I'm going to be asking her about um, these workplace aches and pains and what we can do about them. Li Yang, how are you today?
1: I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. I'm great as well. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the thought of workplace aches and pains though um, I already feel these twinges <laughs> as I mention it and I think nobody is a stranger to these whether you are um, the office bound desk worker or you have uh, jobs that uh, perhaps require you to be in different positions but for prolonged hours in a day right all of these put stress on our body on our joints so uh, we want to sort of try and unpack that from, from this perspective but you know talking about about the workplace um, it actually means adults Uh, but we've had this I've had this conversation with you before about a sort of lifespan approach to musculoskeletal health so how much of our adult sort of musculoskeletal or joint health can be traced back to um, what has happened to us in childhood
1: okay Uh, good question So maybe let's revisit the definition of the musculoskeletal system very quickly. It's a multi-component system comprising of bone, muscle, connective tissue, tendons, ligaments and supplied by nerves and blood vessels. Its role is to provide support, shape, stability for the body, protect organs and to produce movement. Musculoskeletal health is very important because it provides us a means to live, work, play and engage with with a full life. And um, musculoskeletal disorders or conditions can occur at any one time throughout a person's life. Not just, and it's not just related to older age, as we a lot of people seem to think it is. Uh, it is estimated that between one in three to one in five people, including children, live with musculoskeletal pain. So when we think about it um, as a system point of view throughout our lives, uh, parts of the this system develop, change, and grow throughout our lifespan, starting from when one is born. So we use bone tissue as an illustration. Uh, Between 20 to 30 years old is when bones reach their peak mass. And then from around the age of 35 to 40 years, this gradual natural bone loss starts happening. Uh, Therefore, the greater the peak bone mass built up in childhood, adolescence and young adulthood the more protection we have against developing conditions like osteoporosis and osteopenia now similarly muscle mass and strength builds up steadily from birth and reach their peak at around 30 to 35 years after that we begin to see a loss in muscle mass approximately about 3 to 8% per decade of life and the rate of decline increases after the age of 60 now, aside from physiology and biology, there are also patterns and trajectories that we can see starting from childhood. So, research shows that persistent spinal pain that starts in childhood or adolescence is linked to a higher risk of spinal pain in adulthood. We also know that physical activity in the, the levels in school age children predict how active you'll be as an adult, and we also know that certain musculoskeletal disorders are also more common in middle. And lower-income household settings, so this reflects the wider determinants of health, like poverty, employment, housing, education, on on uh, the musculoskeletal fitness. Right, we are living longer, working for longer, uh, so it's essential that more of these years are spent in good health. So it's also worth thinking beyond the lifespan and more about health span. And when it comes to optimizing health for longevity, bone and muscle tissue play a very important part. Right. So I also want to give some um, sort of encouragement that the musculoskeletal system is extremely adaptable, very amenable to change, and you can improve bone and muscle tissue, prevent or slow down the loss of them um, at any stage of your life, right? Using um, exercise, nutrition, getting out in the sun, and, and no matter what level of ability that you start off with. So it's while well, it's good to start as early as you can, it's also not too late to do something.
0: And if we look at adults uh, in their working productive years, um, those years must, I, I feel like it sort of distorts uh, this health healthspan uh, uh, kind of lens, right? Because then for all those years, uh, for the most part, the average person. I'm sure there are outliers uh, who are more varied with their lifestyles. Um, But for the most part, we then spend so many hours of those years um, just within this um, mindset of the work that we need to do. And So how does that actually affect musculoskeletal health? So let me put it this way, right? When we think about um, the most productive working years of our lives I don't think anybody is thinking about how um, work affects our skeletal health, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. It's actually quite an under-prioritised aspect of health uh, even in the health system even as a, a policy issue as well. But it's, it's I think you made such a good point it's not just about lifespan it's also about life course, you know because when we when we talk about lifespan, we're just talking about the things that happen throughout all the years of your life you know the progression that happens but when we talk about life course, then we add in changes um you know factors a range of diverse factors that that um comes from social economy environmental cultural and behavioral factors right that reflect a real life living and as you said you know a our most productive years are spent at the workplace um and also our some of our healthier years are spent at the school in school right so we, we really need to pay attention to musculoskeletal health and well-being in this life years as well because it does affect the the rest of our lives in Mm -hmm. a way Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and as a physiotherapist um, how do you come across clients whose issues are actually linked to um, how they are moving or not moving uh, related to their work routines how common is it? what kinds of issues do you see
1: it's really common um, work-related Musculoskeletal disorders um, There's a lot of evidence There's a lot of stats To show that These disorders are very That are very work-relevant Or work-related um, And it's also multifactorial And multidimensional as well It's things that In your home life In your lifestyle In your personal life That interacts with what happens at work right? Because there's no real separation right? It's mm-hmm. it, 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 it all blended into each other So the work Life balance um, term is often a term that is a misnomer because you really can't put a, a no cutoff point, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and maybe we should be talking about harmony instead or, or, or some, some other words that actually more reflectively reflects what it, it means. Um, so uh, uh, we see a lot of people who have pain or discomfort developing or aggravated in a work setting. That is directly related to the tasks that this individual does as part of their everyday work activities. Uh, like you said, be it a desk-bound kind of job, or somebody who does sort of manual heavy work, or, mm. or, or involved in lifting, uh, or construction workers or nurses as well, right? And what we see is the most common of area, common areas of pain that they are reported are uh, in the low back, in the upper limb, in the neck, and then of course followed by the lower limb. These are not life-threatening conditions or disorders, but they do impact one's quality of life and affect performance, productivity, and even result in a lot of absenteeism, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I I want to also expand that there are certain risk factors that we know that are um, present in the workplace. And actually knowing and understanding these risk factors are very important for implementing an effective prevention and management strategies. So let's go through a few. And and as I go through that, I'm sure you can actually pick up some things that you can see even in your own workplace, right? So as you mentioned in the beginning, prolonged fixed postures are a risk factor. And this can be any posture, it doesn't have to be just sitting, it can be standing, it can be walking, it can be on any kind of posture. That is prolonged, uh, that's uh, for a long period of time. A, a general rule we think about is that like anything that's sort of accumulated for four hours or for four hours at a time is 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 prolonged. Um, hopefully a bit, I mean it doesn't really need to get the four hours, but four hours is sort of a cutoff point that we mm-hmm. use. Uh there's what we call awkward postures, movements, and body part positioning. Uh, really anything that deviates from a position of ease or comfort. Right, mm-hmm. um, and then you have you know the continuous repetitive movement. So if you use your mouse a lot, and you are um, doing jobs that you really need to shift things from one point to the other or click on things, so this constant clicking with the index finger, right? So people come up with sort of like um, tendon- tendonitis or tendon issues there as well, and then of course concentration of force or force on small parts of the body like your wrists or your hands, um, the use of excessive force heavy lifting is a big risk factor and usually we we take that as more than 25 kgs at waist level uh, and doing that more than 25 times a day. So as mentioned, nurses, the construction workers come to mind. Uh, We've got temperature, the extreme heat, the cold, the humidity, the air quality, noise levels, uh, vibration, like using hand tools. These are also risk factors. And then moving away from sort of physical factors, then we've got the the organisational or, or um, matters um, like a fast pace of work without sufficient recovery or breaks, um, and and then you also have your workplace psychosocial factors. You know your perceptions, your expectations. Um, uh, autonomy, whether you enjoy your work, whether you get recognized for your work, rewarded for your work, your security that you get from the work, and the level of support and, and connection you have with your managers and colleagues as well. This is also a risk factor.
0: For what yeah. seems like physical musculoskeletal issues?
1: Yes, absolutely. Because we talk about how um, mental and physical well being intertwine, mm.
0: um,
1: and that's that reflects in, in even. Um, Social connections, processes, anxiety related related to work can have an impact on pain as well. Mm. Absolutely, mm. yeah, and because you know these these factors actually impact behaviors that can be physical behaviors, right? That the that actions that that have an influence on pain. Um, then of course you have your influence of personal lifestyle factors as well, the individual factors, right? Whether you uh, look after yourself, you eat well, you move, you sleep well. Um, and, and things in your home that's happening in your home, home life. Now, I want to make sure that it's important to note that none of these factors act separately or individually to cause or aggravate musculoskeletal conditions. It's most likely a combination of a lot of these factors or a few of these stresses that, that cause pain.
0: And that's interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. if we're talking about addressing them, removing the pain, recovering and healing, you can't also... Look at just one factor, uh, say, fix that and you'll be okay, right? Absolutely. And also, it also tells you
1: that there's no one size fits all solution, Mm. there's no one recipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no one chair that will solve all your problems, you know, or or that sort of postural vest that you, is going to solve or take away your pain. So there is no one size fits all solution, and and it's so multidimensional, no, so multifactorial. No one single cause of pain. Um, it's it's often uh, complicated, but yet also because there's so many factors that contribute to pain, you would also think that maybe you don't have to deal with all of them because some of them maybe can't be changed Um, but you can minimize some of them you can work on some of them and you will find that because of the relationships of certain factors by working on one of them has a ripple effect or a compounding effect and it actually starts improving some of them as well right Mm -hmm. Um, so it's 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 like sleep. If you if you don't have enough sleep, um, it affects your health, physical health, your mental health. That affects your productivity at work. It means that you are prone to maybe um, not being aware of making injuries you're not focused right there's a there's an increased risk of injury because you're you're fatigued and your muscles are fatigued as Mm -hmm. well so so it it sort of compounds into each other but once you sleep better often for me anyway i find that if i have a good night's sleep then i feel fresh i feel focused i look after myself better uh, and i know what to do well in order to do my job right so that is all interrelated yes
0: So taking that into account, when we come back from the break, we'll look at some of the things that perhaps we are doing wrong at the workplace that could aggravate these problems. And um, what are those that we can minimise? And how we could see the ripple effects sort of like in this whole ecosystem of um, factors that Liang has just described. I'm speaking today to Liang Chu, a physiotherapist, about workplace aches and pains and what we can do about them. So stay tuned to Health and Living BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik. Joining me on the show today, Li Yang Chu, a physiotherapist, and we're discussing musculoskeletal health and how it is linked to our workplace um, in terms of our environment, in the work setting, uh, the way that we move, stand, sit. Um, you know, the kinds of postures that are needed for certain jobs, the kinds of movements that we make, uh, along with other factors like workplace culture, our own mental well-being, expectations that we place on ourselves or that others place on us, our personal lifestyle factors, you know, um, all of these play a role in musculoskeletal health, you know. Perhaps the latter ones may not have occurred to you, um, but they are all linked to overall well-being. So, Liang, if I can, I guess, try to look at then, are there do's and don'ts, right? Are there mistakes that people are... Making In the workplace setting uh, that perhaps you'd like to highlight, whether it's the sort of office worker setting uh, or some of the other jobs that require um, perhaps some prolonged postures and movements that may be unhealthy for us.
1: Okay, so when we talk about sort of do's and don'ts, we we talk, we can go back to those risk factors that we spoke about, you know, the, the prolonged postures, the awkward postures, um, putting pressure on small parts, and um, you know, how, how we deal with workplace pressures, temperature, the environmental around us, whether we actually Sometimes do not take this in account, like the the aircon setting, you know, um, whether the noise level, it's you're you're dealing with the noise level where you're placing your workstation. If you have a choice in in that, to control whether there's natural light, whether there's enough light, because even with the amount of light coming in can affect how you sit at your desk and whether you lean forward and come into an outward posture, then and so forth. Now, a few things that I want to talk about it I think a lot of times when we talk about sort of don'ts um, a lot of posture comes into it you know Uh, don't slouch don't lean forward And, and for a long time now certain postures have been associated with causing pain so there's been a lot of focus on fixing posture in fact there's a whole industry that's come out of this, right? Uh, uh, and a lot of this is based on a biomechanical approach to looking at pain and dysfunction. So as we, we just said, you know, there is more to that than just about the body or about the physicality of, of work. Um, and posture and pain have been well studied with a huge body of research. And now we know that there's some long-standing beliefs about the influence on posture on pain that does not hold up really, in the light of current evidence and science. So I just want to, it's a huge topic, it's a huge topic, there's so much to say, so many layers, but for the purpose of our conversation today, I, I think it's quite important to highlight a few facts, that there is no one single correct, ideal, good posture. There are natural and normal variations in alignments, in spinal curvatures, and no one type is strongly associated with pain. This is what research has found. All postures have potential to be painful. We eat a uh, slouch posture, which we think is a not-so-good or bad posture, or what we think is an upright, straight, good posture. All postures have the potential to, to cause pain. So the takeaways are this. that The reasons for pain are less about postures, you know? Uh, and it's more about, like as we mentioned, a combination of, of factors. And then, of course, the lifestyle, the what we call the foundational health factors, like sleep, stress levels, physical activity levels, actually has more impact on pain than posture does, right? Um, So when we talk about posture, we want to aim for a comfortable posture, one that feels light. Not too much effort, you know, or or it's not a rigid posture. Something that you are constantly moving in and out of, right? And and talking about don'ts, I want to stop, speak specifically about laptop use because uh, m- many of us now because of its portability use laptops, right? Um, even at the work, if you if you use your laptop or put it on a dock with an external keyboard, and that's really important because if you're using a your laptop for more than one hour, you it really promotes what we call an outward posture, one of those risk factors that we talk about. Um, because it, the keyboard and your screen is not separated, so you're constantly looking down, up and down, up and down, right? So that's repetitive sort of um, movements as well. So one change that you can make straight away that I, I I feel that people should actually try to make an effort to do more is to plug in an external keyboard. They're very inexpensive, very light to carry around as well. And then use sort of either books or, or, or files to stack them up so that your your screen is at eye level, right? Um, and so that creates a comfortable working posture um, without going into this up and down, looking down. So that's one of the do's that I want to encourage, really. Um, and the other do is move, 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 move. You know, phys- physical activity and movement is so important. So maybe less emphasis on posture, uh, more emphasis on, on movement, really, Um mm-hmm. So that's one of the biggest do's, and and like I said, pay attention to your whole of life factors, uh, your sleep, your what you eat, what you do. Um, outside work is is important, right? Mm-hmm. And, and breaking up prolonged postures as well. Don't sit for too long. Um, another work-related risk factors, take lots of breaks. It's very counterintuitive because people say, oh, you know how to be productive if I'm constantly taking breaks. But actually, it's been shown that breaks, regular breaks, it can be very short breaks, um, actually is better for focus, for productivity, for creativity, for reducing mistakes and, mm. and fatigue. So you should be taking a break even before you feel tired. So that's an, another big do as well.
0: Um, any rule of thumb in terms of how you don't like to rest your eyes. It's like every 20 minutes, look yeah. uh, 20, I cannot remember what was the distance
1: <laughs> for 20 seconds. 20, yeah, 20 minutes, 20 feet, I think it's about yeah, 6 meters for, right. for 20 seconds. Yeah, 20, yeah. 20, 20. 20 yes. So about this movement uh, absolutely breaks. Uh, I, I would say it really is very individual um, and of course, it's also very situational. Say if you are, uh, you know, you know, people call the, the flow being the flow of work and some people find when they're in the flow of work, then that that sort of breaks it up. So I, I think as, it's really about experimenting and exploring and the the rule is that you don't wait till you're tired if you're feeling sort of achy tired losing focus then i think it's, it's past the break time so you don't wait do it before you get tired how you know when you get tired um again contextual situational individual uh, a lot of times sometimes i say oh why don't you just put an alarm clock you know time yourself and then when you start feeling tired Look at the how long have you actually gone up, gone for? You know, before the eight happens, before that focus is lost. And then just maybe go back a little and stop before that, that time. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it depends. Sometimes if you're working in a cafe versus an office where you're well set up, you might need more frequent breaks because, you know, the chair is not quite supportive. The table height might not be right. You might just be working without your, your accessories because you're just on the go. Um, so it really is about uh, being aware, building some self-awareness and building your own sort of style and mm. being aware of your habits and timing as well.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Just want to reiterate that these movement breaks should not be going down for a smoke or a vape. Or, <laughs> or looking at your phone. Ah, yes, that's <laughs> true. Or, yeah, you know, because then yeah, that forward s- neck posture, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like going from one screen to another screen. It, mm. You know, it's, it's to come away from what you're doing. It's to take a, a, a different, totally change, even if it means... Um, from a work point of view uh, from a typing position or a typing task to a reading task that's considered a break because it's a different, uh, in, it's a shift in concentration, a shift in focus, in in a shift in attention. Mm. That's all right as well, mm. uh, but not you know going to a screen or like, or like you said, to do something that is actually an unhealthy health behavior. <laughs> um, and, and yeah. so unpopular
0: opinion, yes. uh, I'm sure. Yes, <laughs> um, but so that's um for sort of desk bound workers, which is a significant proportion of our listeners here at BFM. But also, maybe we can talk about some of the uh, people who spend a lot of time. On their feet, nurses constantly walking, so there they are moving. But what are the issues that they are facing?
1: So, as we said, any prolonged postures in any sort of or activity, be it uh, walking, sitting, standing it's a risk factor. So it doesn't matter what it is. So it goes back to that uh, fact that whatever posture is, doesn't, it's more important that you have variability in posture, variability in activity than the type of posture or the type of activity. So for, for nurses and other sort of manual laborers or, or manual-based work, uh, then you have to think about uh, the design of the job you know whether they have work breaks uh whether they're taking a break and, and in that break they can have a variety in in movement or in postures uh we talk about using tools to help them because with, with manual lifting really like i said is is rep- anything repetitive anything at a certain uh weight it's it's a risk factor um and you can you know when we talk about the signs showing that postures have less of an influence than we think it originally does. It's the same with lifting postures. You know, the, the whole, uh, I need to keep my back straight, knees bent, and so forth. Really, the research doesn't really support that. And, and, and yeah, it, it, so that's why I said this whole posture conversation is, is a big conversation. Um, but I just wanted to say that there is no one fixed rule, really. Uh, and in fact, these days, people are going saying that as long as the posture is comfortable and it's light and it's relaxed, That's what you need Because if you think about it When we want to prevent injury How many times do that injury happen In a predictable, controlled manner? It doesn't It's unpredictable So part of injury prevention nowadays Or or capacity building Is about actually taking people Through all kinds of postures um, And in, in unpredictable ways Because that's how the body learns That it's safe you know, mm-hmm. um, and the muscles don't jam up, and, and 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 things don't give way. So that's one thing. So it's, so it's not just about posture. So it's about breaks. It's about workplace design. It's about whether uh, the, the the person is supported at work. I mean, nurses have an incredible amount of mental load, not just physical load, right? So do do they have? support systems in place um are they well remunerated Oh, things like that still matters actually on 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 health Mm. um and it changes behaviors that affect physical health and mental health right Mm. Um, um and, and, of course, the role, the role of rules and regulations. We have workplace health and safety rules and regulations in, in most countries. Uh, in Malaysia as well, whether it is uh, about manual handling or about you know, construction working heights or about um, um, use of screens, how to set up screens and, and workstations. Um, so uh, employers have a role to play. Um, it's, it's not just personal responsibility, which is important, but it's also about... Um, the provision of of environmental standards, safety standards um, and organizational culture that needs to come in as well when we when we talk about preventing musculoskeletal conditions in the workplace.
0: Mm. So earlier you said you know the whole industry around uh, fixing posture and ooh, vests. Chairs, mm. desks. Um, are you throwing all of those out the window? <laughs> <laughs> not at, not at all. I just want to put it in perspective,
1: right? Mm-hmm. And 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 also, there is, you know, th- that, that all comes under sort of design, um, ergonomics, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. ergonomics. Um, when we talk about furniture, desks, accessories, chairs, we yeah. are talking about ergonomics, which is uh, defined as where you fit the task to the human. Right, uh, and it's done by understanding how this human interacts with the space that they're in and works in the space that they're in within an, a certain environment. Okay, uh, there, But there are different aspects to ergonomics. You know, There's the physical ergonomics, so like I said, the, the things that we're actually most familiar with, the chair, the desk, and the tasks that the body needs to do, but there's also cognitive ergonomics, so the mental processes in carrying this kind of task, mm-hmm. uh, and there's organisational ergonomics, so dealing with culture, systems processes. Mm-hmm. So, the, the aim of ergonomics is to reduce and manage this workplace, re, work-related risk factors as we just now sort of had a list of, um, so that we can increase worker comfort levels, promote productivity, focus, reduce fatigue, um, the risk of mistakes, injury and, and, and problems, mm-hmm. right? But it needs to be holistic, right? So, the, the, I think the the issue is that whether we are only emphasizing one part of this ergonomics, which is the furniture, which there's a huge like I said industry that come that's come out of it, and the posture part, as as we addressed before but we also need to have attention to work design, workload and psychosocial aspects as well, right? So basically, Um,
0: we tend to zoom in on a magic solution that we hope uh, will fix uh, the aches and pains, right? That chair, uh, we want our managers to all buy us that chair, but um, we have to take a broader view of everything that you have mentioned. Let's go for a quick break. And when we come back... We will dive into treatment of musculoskeletal problems and how Liang would approach treatment within this bigger picture of the life course approach and all the various um, physical, uh, mental, social and environmental risk factors that she's been talking about. I'm speaking today to Liang Chu, physiotherapist about workplace musculoskeletal health. Stay tuned to Health & Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living. I'm T. Ik and joining me on the show today, physiotherapist Liang Chu. We're discussing musculoskeletal health related to the workplace. What kinds of workplace postures and movements aggravate musculoskeletal problems? But not just the way we sit. Or the movements we make, but also our workplace routines, um, the culture of uh, work and the expectations that we go through, our mental well-being and our personal lifestyle habits like sleep, diet, exercise and all of that. But if we look at somebody who has incurred an injury due to the problems with their movement and posture um let's zoom into sort of addressing that injury right Uh, as a physiotherapist Mm -hmm. what is your approach and sometimes the conversation seems to just revolve around um, do i want surgery uh, versus uh, steroid injections or something like that again you've been taking a very holistic view to this whole conversation so far so how do you look at treatment of injuries
1: Okay, so maybe I can paint a scenario for you to sort of make it a little bit more yes. practical and, and, and um, real. Mm. Uh, yeah, so, so a hypothetical scenario of someone who might come into my clinic with a musculoskeletal issue, say 30 plus year old female complaining of localized low back pain for two months, right? No obvious injury, no precipitating event. Uh, so the GP, no serious causes found. So she's a desk-bound office worker Just changed job three months ago, so still getting used to new workload, increased workload, long hours, meals not on time, working through lunch, still getting to know colleagues. And in terms of home life, she has an eight-month-old baby, new to nursery, getting sick. You know, so every night is like oh, soothing the baby because so she's not sleeping as well. No mm-hmm. uh, things that that worry her is like she can't carry the baby for more than fifteen minutes. She can't sit or stand um more than an hour. So her capacity is really reduced at work and at home, right? Uh, she was previously active most days. She ran. She um. Did yoga, went to the gym, but now she's not even managing a 30-minute run because no time, no energy, no childcare, support, and also partly because where she runs is not stroller-friendly. So even you say, you know, you see those moms running with strollers, the park doesn't support that, so she can't even do that, right? Um, so, and of course, with all this happening, you would imagine she would have no time to socialize, take time for herself, connect with others, and 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 that has is a factor as well. So I'm sure, even as I describe this person to you, you can already pick up very significant stresses, you know, that uh, and in this season of her life. So we spoke about how. You know, pain is, is multifactorial, multi-dimensional. No single one factors come come into play. Um, you have different body systems interacting with each other. And in this hypothetical case, there's also the female hormones that we need to take into account. And then, of course, the mental and the physical health sort of relationship, right? Yeah. So when we when we look at this, we cannot just say, oh, uh, let's just look at your back, right? Let's yeah. just uh, yeah. treat your back. Yeah. We, we, we can't because... It's not holistic, it's not whole person-centred, right? We are some of parts, but this some of parts are, are connected, right? So we, we need to sort of deal with them. Um, and, and that's why it's often not just uh, a, a biomedical approach. It's not just about giving you medicine and telling you to rest. It's, it's about... So with, with her, I will have to unpack how she's dealing with the, with the work, giving her some strategies, you know? And, and, and this can be physical strategies. Like, you know, you have this heavy workload, you're not, but you still have to, you know, take some time out, have your lunch break, um, take breaks, maybe give her, a, a, in this sense, maybe she, she's too overwhelmed to work something out. Give her a, a recipe. Say, every hour, I want you to take 10 minutes. Or, oh, sorry, maybe 10 minutes is too long, but two minutes or five minutes away from your desk and do this stretch, right? Uh, then we also need to think about how... We often it's about delving into social history, into um in, into support, right? Into saying, How can we get you more help at home? How can we you know and, and it's about problem solving and going through um Things that you would not think a physio would have to go through. And sometimes it's about talking about sleep hygiene. Um, Is she putting things in place that could help her sleep? I mean, of course, with the baby waking up, that's something that's uncontrollable. But things that she can manage, you know, is she drinking coffee before she goes to sleep? Uh, Or or looking at screens because, you know, you've got uh, screens disrupting sort of your sleep cycle. So things that actually people do not think that a physio or any health professional Mm. would be. Uh, interested in or or looking at, but these are the factors that we we really need to look at to mm. make sure that the uh, that the treatment is effective mm. and successful.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I totally see the rationale behind it. Admittedly, it's mm. probably challenging for many healthcare professionals to have these long conversations as well, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, it's. You know, sometimes maybe healthcare professions don't feel equipped, especially if we're talking about certain professions dealing, delving into sort of other areas that we might not feel that we are trained at. at, at um, but because of how... Um, healthcare has evolved and how we look at problems not just from a biomedical point of view but what we call a biopsychosocial point of view we uh, need to evolve we need to learn we need to grow and we need to also think about working with others so so it's about also signposting when it's not something that you are comfortable doing or or feel competent in then you signpost there are other professions that you work in it's a a team approach you know Um, and often healthcare is not just about health It's, it's, it's more than that so that is an, sort of an outer layer uh, and like you said, an ecosystem is a, mm. is a good uh, a word for that as well.
0: And it's yeah. also changing expectations of individuals then in terms of their recovery because previously they would have come in thinking, give me an injection or uh, give me you know, two exercises and then I want to feel better in a month's time. But you're talking about them having to put a lot of effort into changing their routines, a lot of discipline there as well, right?
1: Absolutely. And I think the, there is a gap, right? They want to get better. There's action to be taken. Um, and, and this is often what I think about as well in terms of prevention. How do we get people to prevent things? Because that's even worse because they have no problem. They yes. don't see a problem in the first place. So <laughs> that's why we are not investing in prevention when it's actually where we should be investing it. But So that gap, right? and I've heard somebody talk about this recently at, at a seminar, is about engaging, you know, engagement. How do we bridge that gap? By actually making it relevant, uh, meaningful, uh, and engaging to the person that we are trying to uh, get them to make these changes, right? And making it, in a way, like you say, it is complex. It takes a lot of effort. It's a long game. It's not like a short game. It doesn't happen in two weeks. Uh, it's about habit building often. It's building little good, lifestyle habits Um, so it's about making things simple and using that compounding effect that ripple effect and about uh, harnessing the relationship that these factors have with each other right Mm. so like I said if you deal with sleep sometimes you find hey because you deal with sleep there's more energy to exercise and when you exercise then it also helps your sleep right you go to sleep better. Um, so it's, it's about small steps and I like to say, you know, let's see what is meaningful to you. Let's just focus on a few things. Don't, don't overwhelm you that after that you just fall off the bandwagon and do nothing anyway, even though that intention is there. Uh, take small steps, break it down, break it down, break it down until it's manageable according to your energy, your resources, your capacity, your time. Yeah, mm. And, and that, that is doable. So it takes a little bit more time maybe on the part of the therapist as well to work through this But it can be done and it can be something that is simple. I Mm. won't say it's easy, but it's simple.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I know you've been so consciously steering the conversation away from fixating on one solution. Um, But I I feel like I want to bring this up because a lot of our listeners do ask every time we talk about musculoskeletal injuries is sort of alternative treatments... um, uh, does seeing a chiropractor work or they prefer that as you know? So, how does that fit into this um, broader view that you've been talking about?
1: So, it's uh, in the musculoskeletal health space. I mean, I get asked this question a lot as well. You know, uh, the, is this going to help me? Is this the one thing that's going to help me? Who should I see? Is this the right person? And so forth. In the musculoskeletal health space, there's a variety of uh, therapists. Fitness and wellness professionals Not only chiros You have And physios You have osteopaths You have massage therapists Uh, You know, massage is a big one as well You have personal trainers And so forth And and some of these professionals As you said uh, Are not part of the Mainstream health system Right. So when somebody asks me What they should do I always say Look, like anything When choosing a practitioner Or choosing Even a product or, Or a service You have to do Your due diligence Right Not only is it to Make sure that you are spending the effort and the money and the time on on the right thing, but also to reduce risks, you know, there's there's safety risks, right? Um, And and so some principles and recommendations that I have is that, of course, education comes in play and and really telling them, look, uh, there is really, really no quick fix. There's no magical thinking. Uh, Even if you go for surgery, there is rehab after surgery. And often it's the rehab after surgery, the effort after surgery that makes... The surgery successful as well um, So you, so when you're looking for somebody Be it somebody from the mainstream health system Or an alternative therapist You always abide by certain principles So this is what I recommend You always abide by the do no harm rule Whatever you choose to do It should not make you worse It should not do you more harm Or other harm that you didn't anticipate to have done uh, It should always be helping you in some way Even though it is effortful uh, Or it takes time Then you want to really check the training and the qualifications of of, uh, professionals, even physios. We have registration boards. We we are regulated in in many countries. In in Malaysia, the starting regulation of of, of allied health professionals. So check, are they registered, right? Check the specialty as well. Are you seeing the right person in the first place? Like I said, as physios, we are trained across specialties as, as our basic training. But, you know, we spend time in one specialty more and often we are more competent or comfortable in one specialty so check their specialties check the you know when they t- when they explain things to you when they tell you this is what we're going to do this is how it works this is why you have the problem does it make sense you know check the rigors of the their, their explanation so this is about developing your science and your personal health literacy which i think is so important mm-hmm. and when you build the literacy then you will also understand why there is no one size fits all approach, yeah, yeah. Um, and and so th- so this literacy is that like you your know, ability to find to comprehend to evaluate use advice content and services that will help you make informed decisions about your health. And I think that's that is a cornerstone of when we use health services, right? Is this uh, literacy that we should have?
0: Mm. Yeah, I want to wrap up the conversation by sort of coming back to um, all of us who are definitely um, you know, experiencing one or more of the risk factors you talked about earlier in terms of our postures and movements and environments at work. Um, so on a daily basis, what should we be looking out for that indicates um, we're sort of going down the wrong path or we're deviating from what should be the healthy path, right? Is it pain that we're looking out for? Is it fatigue or... Or is it a, a collection of little hints uh, that should be red flags to us?
1: Um, it's, it's a combination of everything that you just said. So it could be pain, it could be fatigue, it could be discomfort, it could be finding that, hey, I'm not doing this as quickly as I, I, I can normally do, um, or, or my brain feels foggy. You know, it's just even things like that that people come in with, um, lack of focus, and um, so it's not necessarily pain, and it could also be just um, feeling that it's not right. You know, um, the thing is setting up a workstation. If we talk about office-bound workers, it's not an intuitive process. But you will find that hey, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like you are working effectively when when things are not set up right as well. Um, and I just want to say that a lot of musculoskeletal pain is self-limiting, meaning that. Even if you don't do much, it will often get better on its own. Um, as long as you keep moving, you perform very simple self-management uh, strategies uh, and if you're not too stressed. So, for example, most low back pain is not serious. Most, right? Some is. And usually recovers within six weeks. But then if you find that this pain keeps coming back, keeps coming back. So, we're talking about also reoccurrence. We're not talking about just that one, that first incident. We're also talking about things that keep happening. Then you you sort of think, hey, maybe something really needs to be
0: looked at as well mm. yeah Yeah. alright any final message Li Ying
1: yes I want to say that musculoskeletal health at the workplace is under prioritised even though low back pain is like the leading cause of disability and millions of workday's uh, productivity are lost. Uh, but we need to take a life course, holistic approach to well-being at the workplace. We need to understand risk factors. We need to invest in the right type of prevention, not just uh, you know, fix-it-all sort of solutions or, or tick-box exercise kind of solutions. And the, the health and well-being, musculoskeletal health well-being at the workplace depends on employers and organisations to do their part. Um, you know provision of a safe environment equipment training you know teaching people how to look after do things opening up communication channels cultivating a supportive culture be responsive to needs and on individuals to become informed self advocate and to take personal responsibility for their own
0: health as well thank you so much um Yang. i've been speaking to Yang chu a physiotherapist about workplace aches and pains right here on health and living bfm 89.9 You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.